Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the Press Box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a port of party, right? True. That's not a great day for you. With Grady and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks who took a dump in the porta pipe. Like, they immediately blame the media. Like, we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for, like, if you want, we think we're negative. But we got to draw the line. We're taking the dumps in the porta pipe. No. At that point, I draw the line. Here we go. It's Friday. Hope you have a great weekend. Before that, spend three hours with us. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared here on the Press Box. Tyler, are you there? I think so. We did zero sound check before starting the show today. <laughs> great work behind the scenes today. You, we can hear you. I got lots of sound. It's clear. Oh, ton of sound coming today. Ton of sound coming today. You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm good. 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 I think. Happy to hear it. All Happy right. to hear it. This is not the first bite, but it is the first question I have. What you 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 literally described it as? I have to use the bathroom, but I'm starving. What was the first thing you ate? You know, once you came back from, I assume they numbed you up. I'm guessing both of you can answer this question. Take a wild guess. Chick-fil-A. Yes. All right. Well, good for you, buddy. I mean, I mean, I was hoping for something a little more dramatic. <laughs> they told me not to eat red meat the first day after. Do you eat a Why? lot of red meat? Do I mean, I eat hamburgers, I guess, but. So then it was like, all right, what do I eat? Chicken. No, okay. most 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 time you're you're, you're the I mean, chicken guy. I guess I could have eaten seafood. I love seafood, but it wasn't like, hey, let's go sit let's... at a nice restaurant and eat seafood while I'm recovering from being knocked out on, from anesthesia. I mean, it would be funny if you were just like crawfish. <laughs> it was more like I want to lay down and eat. So what can we get delivered to our house? Oh, Chick Fil A. Oh, the delivery always there for me. The yeah, delivery got it delivered. It's always yeah. there for you. It's your it staple. Is. What what was the gentleman's name that always delivered to you, Caleb? But they, I told you guys, they they changed it. They Chick Fil A no longer directly delivers. They now you have to get it through DoorDash. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's terrible. The first bite. The first bite is brought to you by the Las Vegas Sports Network.com. If you want to hear. Any of our sports programming on stream, just go to the LVSportsNetwork.com. How many games will the Raiders win? Should we do a hot take here? Well, let's let's go game by game right away. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, no. This is going to yeah, be, this it's, is gonna it's be weird. It's May 13th. Let's go. You guys want to oh, no. do game by game? Um, Yeah, I had a number in mind. Now I have to count it up. <laughs> <laughs> because I can tell you a number, and yet I have no idea what, how it's going to work out. But let's go. Okay, get, you give us a number. I'll go game by game. Nine. What's and your eight. number? Nine and eight. Okay. All right. Here's your game by game Raiders win loss record for the year. Week one at the Chargers loss. I've I've got them losing. Uh, week two they host the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be that good this year. Win. Raiders win. Week three they go to Tennessee. Raiders win. Win. Week four, they host the Broncos. Raiders win. Close. Week five, they're going to Kansas City. Monday night football. Chiefs lose. So, two and three going into okay, at this point, the bye week. At this point, I or have three and two. Three and two. I said that wrong. Three and two. Yeah, three and, three two. and two. All right. Coming out of the bye week, they host the Texans. Four yeah, and that's two. a win. 
Uh, then they go to New Orleans. I've got them losing when? to the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston. Week nine, they go to Jacksonville. That's Five. a win. Week 10, they host the Colts. That's a win. Week 11, they go to Denver. That's a loss. Week 12, they go to Seattle. That's a win. So if you're keeping track through week 12, I have the Raiders at 7-4. and four. Week 13, home game against the Chargers, loss. Week 14, at the Rams, loss. Week 15, Patriots at home, loss. Week 16, at the Steelers on Christmas Eve, loss. Week oh. 17, home to the 49ers, win. Week 18, home to the Chiefs, loss. So it looks eight like 8-9. and nine. Nine. Okay. I have them. I have them ten and seven. What is wrong with me? Well, I mean, I I I counted as long as he went. I came up with nine. I think. What did you have him at Pittsburgh? Losing at Pittsburgh. Okay, I think that's the one we disagreed on. So I short week Eastern time zone. No chance they're winning. Oh, in the in the winter. Yeah, no chance they're winning. Derek Carr, known for known as a cold weather quarterback. No chance they're winning that game. What about New England at home? Sunday I don't think football. they win that one really? at home either. Have you have you seen the reports that they're going to do joint practices with the Patriots? Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah, that. Bill Belichick's going to come in here and win by four touchdowns. Yeah, I actually I'm super scared about that too. What what the hell is Josh McDaniels doing? You're telling me you're going to let those Bill Belichick boys. come those watch his, your those team guys. for two days? What what are you doing? Boy. Maybe maybe if I mean, they he's, he's hired playing dra- the Patriots. He's hired, drafted, and traded from everyone over there, so he might as well play him. He might as well have a <laughs> joint practice with him. Unless he hires away more people from Bill Belichick after those two practices. Like, if they weren't playing in the regular season, 100% get it. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Play your former boss and everybody you know over there in a little joint practice. But you're going to play them then, like, three months later? Don't do that. That's terrible. You you think you're better than Bill Belichick at this? What a terrible decision. They're even they're even playing him in the uh, in the preseason, right? I mean, we're going to see we're going to see what Jarrett Stidham yeah. throw forty one passes or Amir Abdullah get nineteen. Could be a Jared Stidham like revenge game, right? It is, but like, what are you doing there? No chance. They're not winning that one either. But yeah, so there's your there's your seven and four start followed up by a one and five finish for me to get to right. eight and nine. You've got eight and nine. I've got nine and eight, and Jared has ten and seven. So Jared might be the only one having them go to the playoffs. He's got them going to the playoffs. No, I actually have them (laughs) losing the playoffs because remember, I have the I don't have them winning a single AFC West game. Not one. Um, Not one. So is this schedule going to be too difficult for them to make the playoffs? Well, according to the guy we're gonna have on a synth seven thirty, it's the fourth most difficult schedule. So they're gonna have to probably do I think the numbers eight and a half at the books. They're going to probably have to do more than what everyone's thinking, except Jared, uh, to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, fourth most difficult schedule in the NFL. I think the the part that's bad for the Raiders is that they don't have many, like, off games. And whatever, it's the NFL, there's not really off games. But there's not many games they're going to walk into where you think, oh, yeah, if they just sort of play a normal game, they win. Because they... Their schedule, 12 teams, 12 weeks on their schedule, they're going to play a team that right now expects to go to the playoffs, right? They're going to play all the AFC West teams twice. They all expect to go. But then Indy, Arizona, San Francisco, the Rams, Tennessee, and New England, all of those teams. Now, they're not all going to end up making it, but all of them right now expect to go. And all those teams should at least be, whatever, a seven-win team. They only really 
have three bad teams on the schedule, Seattle, Houston, and Jacksonville, and they go on the road to two of those, Seattle and Jacksonville. So even those probably aren't going to be super easy. It's just there's not many weeks that they're going to walk in and it's going to be, oh, yeah, the Raiders have a significant advantage in this game. Of anybody, especially on the road. Right, which means for the Raiders to go to the playoffs, we'll see what the number is for how many wins they need. But if they need 10 wins to go to the playoffs, that means 10 times this year they're going to have to walk in and win a game that either they're kind of in a toss-up situation or they are even underdogs. Mm-hmm. In. And it's I, to me, that's just – it's hard to see them doing that until they show some, side of on, some uh, sign of on-field proof that they can do it. Brutal way to end the schedule. It's whew, brutal, man. Chargers, Rams, Patriots, Steelers, 49ers, Chiefs. The one on the easy road. one in there is probably Steelers, and it's short week on the road. That sucks. That's that's a complete nightmare. That's a that's a brutal. That's one, two, three, four, five. That's six games, six yeah. straight that are t- difficult games. When you're trying to win, what ten to get to the playoffs? Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. Uh, are you excited about going to Pittsburgh for Christmas Eve? I am not, but it is the job. <laughs> will well, this will this mean you're flying home Christmas morning? Of course. Oh, yeah. fun day. Weather fun day permitting. For Ed what? <laughs> you... <laughs> I need you, Adam Hill, and Heidi Fang snowed in in a Pittsburgh. No, don't say that. That's not very nice. That's very nice. I need to get home to my family. Adam <laughs> Hill would probably enjoy that, wouldn't he? Who? Mm-hmm. Adam would probably enjoy Oh, yeah, he'd, like, go on some kind of, like, weird... um, He'd go on some, like, weird uh, vacation or something like that through Pittsburgh. He'd go to all the cities and stuff in and around it. Yeah, he'd do something crazy. The reason I I want them snowed in at the airport in Pittsburgh, so that way it's like, well, nothing's open because it's Christmas. No. Oh, the airport will be... You guys aren't very nice, man. You should want me clear skies, getting home to the family, having a nice Christmas. Why would you want something different? I assume the daughter's still going to be in a foreign no. country. No, I pick her up Saturday. She's home Saturday. Oh. Oh, no more t- chasing around Timothy Chamblee. Oh, no, exactly. Oh. No, no. She won't be chasing around Willy Wonka anymore. <laughs> Isn't she taller than Timothy <laughs> Chalamet? Yes, she is. <laughs> yes. She won't be chasing she around is. Willy Wonka. Did she ever find him? <laughs> oh, she was within 100 feet of him. And that's when security asked her to leave. And that's when her and her friends were asked to leave immediately. Why are you hanging around here? Is is how disappointed is she going to be to be back? Oh, uh, really disappointed. She wants to stay. She wants to stay in 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 London. She wants to stay, but school is out. Uh, she had her last day yesterday. Handed in her final paper. We'll see her Saturday night. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad. Too bad oh, for her. That's a, yeah. That's a shame. Wait. Put it this way. If you're staying, you're paying. Uh, so she'll be on the flight, and she'll be home Saturday night. If you're, That's my motto if she wants to stay. If you're staying, you're paying. All right. I got one more Raiders-related question for you. They play all three AFC West opponents in the first five weeks of the season. Are we going to have accurate hot takes after those first five weeks about where they stand at the division? Why wouldn't we? I mean, we well, we're, we're, we're going to have hot I mean, takes, acu- but are accurate, they going to be I'm not accurate. so sure. Well, what if they're 0-3? We could be right. pretty accurate. Like, like, can we, like, it's May right now, but if they start the year in those first five <laughs> games and they lose all three AFC West games, right? They lose the Chargers, they lose the Broncos, and they lose to Kansas City. 
can we accurately say they're done five weeks into the season? Done. In, oh, with that, with that ending in the six, we might be able to have a good hot take there and say they are. If they lose on, all three, and then I, I just keep going back to the final six. That's a brutal stretch. Yeah. And on the flip side, if they win all three, oh, will we, will we, we be might. able to accurately say they're the best team in the AFC West? I can't say accurately. Oh, come on. <laughs> I can't say accurately. If they, go, if they go to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, that Tuesday we are going to have so many hot takes about the Raiders winning the Super Bowl if they do that. Who's the Chiefs' backup quarterback right now? Is it still Chad Henney? I feel like you're the one that should know this yes. of anybody on the show. Well, unfortunately, I've paid more attention to the Raiders now because I live here. But if they if they beat somebody that's not named Patrick Mahomes, I don't feel like we learned anything. All right. Their backup quarterback is Chad Henney. Yeah. Pat Mahomes and Chad Henney. I'll take Chad Henney. And if you get to Shane Bushley, then I like the Raiders' chance. What would be funny if they win all three AFC West games, go on by, come out of the by, lose to the Houston Texans? That would be funny, yes. It would be great. would be very funny. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Golden Knights. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. It's a lot of meetings to say, hey, why'd we suck this year? Jeez. Yeah, well, it's the most um, words he said to a re- uh, reporter. Same, same interview, he already went. Injuries, it's a fact. Uh, did you guys talk about Golden Knights television ratings no, without Adam Candy to that. yesterday? We did not get to that. Okay. I mean, all right, let's get let's. We got some hot takes today. The Golden Knights and AT and T Sportsnet had a forty percent drop in ratings for games this year. Now, twenty. It was 27 teams had a drop in ratings last year. Uh, so that was common around the NHL. But the Golden Knights' away. drop in ratings was the second biggest. Only the Arizona Coyotes had a larger drop in ratings last year. How big of a concern is that to you? Ed? Bandwagon? Bandwagon fans? Yeah. Is this is what we're seeing from the Golden Knight fans? It's supposed to like loyal, true fans of the hockey team. Uh, I think 40% is somewhat of a concern. I mean, you know, 10, 20% uh, because they're losing and they're not going to go to the playoffs or it didn't look like they're going to the playoffs for a long time. I can see people kind of turning off. I don't know what you think, but I think 40% is kind of a big number. I, so here's the fascinating part to me. The Golden Knights were in playoff position, like into what, February this year? They well, were not, through the All-Star was, break because he was the yeah. coach. This was not a bad team start of the season. This is not a team that got off to like a 1-9-1 start and never found itself in the postseason. This team was was good. They were in playoff position for the majority of the season, and then they fell apart at the end. But even then, they were still either in a playoff spot or fighting. I mean, they, they were close to a playoff spot up until the last two games of the season so it's not like this is a team that had meaningless games throughout the year this is a team that started the year expecting to win played pretty well for half the first half of the season and then fell apart late so to me the the whole idea of like bandwagon because they're losing i don't think that can explain a 40 percent drop because the majority of of the time yeah the majority of the time the golden knights were still good and still fighting for a playoff spot they still had games that mattered 
What I think is interesting here, and what I think is the long-term concern for the Golden Knights, their initial success, the Golden Knights' first couple of years here, they had tremendous fan base, right? Everybody in this town cared about them. Yeah, I saw the, I saw the license plates. I don't know if the Golden Knights will ever be the cool thing to do in Las Vegas again. I don't know if that happens because they're they're going to have a fan base that is big enough to to attend games, right? I right, don't think they're right. going to have just I mean obviously if you have 5 years where you suck for 5 straight years, any team's going to have bad attendance. But I don't think if this team is at least semi-competent, they're going to have an empty T-Mobile Arena, but I think beyond that, the Golden Knights took over this town for two years. I don't think it's because anybody in this town loved hockey. I think it's because mm. people in this town loved those first couple of year teams and loved that they were good and because they were the new thing. Not new anymore. And I, I don't think this is going to be a great market over the next 20 years for the NHL. I mean, you make a good point. Now, there were a lot of transients here who might have known hockey or followed hockey, but there were a lot of people who didn't know anything about it until that team came. And the you know the October one and how the team integrated itself into the community and then they won and they were the you know they were the darlings of well not the NFL the NFL hated them but they were at least the darlings of Las Vegas and going to the Stanley Cup Finals so that makes a lot of sense of what you're saying in terms of it'll never be that way again. Um, let me ask you this because uh, I get I mean I get texts all the time uh, on my phone and I don't know if you get the same ones hey tickets available do you want tickets and you know I mean I get those like before every game. Um, have they have they all i i don't know exactly what the price are but have they priced themselves out of a lot of people um maybe but i still think there's a i still think there's enough people that want to go to the games that the overall attendance is going to be fine they were still and this is announced attendance they were still top five in the whole right. announced attendance this year hell they might have been number one in actual percentage because they still announced a sellout for i think every single game so but obviously there weren't the building wasn't 100% full. No, time, I've been but, to those games. They're not 100% full. Right. But that's going to happen most places where your team's not, you know, in the playoffs or something like that. But I, I think the the bigger concern is, do you have more than the 30,000 people that care about this team? And in the first couple of years, they absolutely did. And that showed, I, and that showed in the ratings. Right. And I don't know that that exists. And I think that's where the ratings come in here, because if there's if there's 30,000 people that care about the Golden Knights, you're, you're going to get 18,000 of them to show up to Golden Knights games or whatever. But there's not going to be that many people watching on television. Right. Then. Whereas in that first year, well, what are there's like 2.2 million people in this city that what all of them cared like everybody here cared about that so people were mad that their local television oh, you remember that the, was it cox that didn't pick it up till yeah, the end cox didn't have them until the, yes the, that's exactly like, right first yeah they were game. people were and furious. they didn't even have it figured out by then you still couldn't watch it because it was blacked out like it's i i don't think that ever happens again and i think the the problem is is if the golden knights win they're gonna be fine but over, but you know, if we look ten years into the future, if the Golden Knights have a five-year stretch where they miss the playoffs all five years and aren't even close, we're going to be having the exact same conversations about this team that people have about the Arizona yeah. Coyotes, and that is, do they need to be in Arizona? Do they need to move to a market that cares? Because in the end, Las Vegas ultimately isn't that big of a market, and we don't care about hockey that much. We ju we just don't. We cared about the first couple of teams of the Golden Knights, but as a market, we just don't yeah. care about hockey. And if this team ever has an extended period of sucking, 
we're going to be having those conversations. And I mean, hell, they weren't even bad this year. And we're already talking about people not paying attention to the team. I, I think, and let me throw her into the bus, including uh, uh, she won't like this, but my wife. I think there are a lot of people like her the first few years. She never missed a game on TV, and especially that first year when they were winning and there had never been a pro team and all that. Uh, she's kind of come away from that. She was not happy with the flurry trade. Um, if I'm watching it, she'll sit down and watch it. But it's not like, you know, in the first year, it's like, hey, when are they on? What time? I, I Tyler, I think there were a lot of people like that that oh, weren't I, hockey, yeah. didn't know hockey, um, but but learned it as they continued to watch it and, 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 and got excited about it. But now I think five years removed from that, I can just say, you know, what's happening with her is that, like I said, if I'm watching it for the show or just need to watch it, She'll watch it. Not all of it, though. And I do think there's a lot of people like that that the first few years were excited, and for whatever reason now, don't turn it on, don't turn on the TV as much for it. The Golden Knights created a fan base that loved the first-year team. They did not create a fan base that loves hockey or that loves the actual Golden Knights. Or has learned anything about hockey. They, they created a fan base that fell in love with that first-year team, and... As they've moved away from that first-year team, people haven't stuck around as much. And that's going to be a problem in the future for this team, where if they continue to miss the playoffs, if they have a run where they do, what are people holding on to? Right. They're still holding on to that first-year team right now. In 10 to 12 years, what are people going to care about with this team? If they're good, people will care because people like a winner. But if they're bad, uh, we've seen it with UNLV basketball. I mean, I think that's a legitimate comparison for the Golden Knights, that if you're bad for long enough, if you're not relevant for long enough, you're going to lose your fan base right. here. It's going to happen. And it's easier to make the playoffs and be relevant in the NHL than it is in in college basketball. It's kind of hard to a tournament from the Mountain West. But if they have a five-plus-year stretch of not being a relevant playoff team, we saw what happened to UNLV. Golden Knights are going to be in the same situation where we look around saying, do enough people care about this team? And the national conversation will be, do they need to be moved out of Las Vegas? Coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. All right, Ben, is the Raiders' schedule going to be too difficult for this team to actually make the playoffs this season? I mean, that's that's kind of the direction that I'm leaning right now. I mean, anything can happen, right? Of course, uh, they greatly exceeded expectations last year, six-and-a-half game win total, up to seven, uh, easily cleared that and gotten to the playoffs in the final week of the season. So I'm not saying it's not out of the realm of possibility, but uh, right now they sit with the fourth most difficult schedule According to our current ESO rankings, which do take into account basically, you know, all the changes that happened, especially at the quarterback position uh, over the course of the offseason. So uh, I'm I'm a little hesitant and I'm really worried about uh, the fact that they have so many difficult games coming in the back half of their schedule. Right. If you look at weeks 13 through 16, they got, you know, the Chargers, Rams, uh, Patriots at home. And then they travel across the country to Pittsburgh as well to kind of. You know, not wrap up their season completely, but uh, it is a very difficult stretch. And then, uh, and then they come back and they still have the 49ers and the Chiefs outside of that. So uh, those six games are basically going to determine whether they get into the playoffs or not. And if they don't go at least uh, 500 during that stretch, I think it's going to be a really difficult proposition. So I'm unfortunately, I was probably all in on the Raiders last year, but I think I got to be uh, out on them this year, unfortunately. You're going, you're going to go under the eight and a half? 
I don't know if I'm going to go under the eight and a half, but I am interested in some, you know, to miss the playoffs. I know that's pretty decent minus price right now. Uh, so I think maybe that would be the spot that I uh, target. But I do think that, you know, given given how difficult the, the end of their schedule is, I do think maybe, uh, you know, after their week, week uh, I guess, you know, maybe week seven would be a spot you could potentially fade them. But, uh, yeah, I think eight and a half under is definitely the only play that I could be on board with right now. Uh, your strength of schedule ratings, the ELO ones over there, the entire AFC West is pretty high in terms of difficult schedules, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, so the Chiefs do have the best or the most difficult schedule in the NFL. Uh, the Raiders are top, you know, the fourth team. And then, uh, you know, Denver's a little bit more middle of the pack, I would say. Uh, and Chargers are basically like 12th or 13th overall. But yeah, the Chiefs have the most difficult schedule. And then, you know, the Raiders as well. Uh, with the fact that they've had to play, you know, the second best teams from all those conferences as well. So uh, it's it's definitely adding up. The Rams game uh, matters quite a bit in that perspective. So uh, the the Chargers and the Chargers and Denver, the Denver Broncos, uh, you know, are a little bit more alleviated. Third and fourth most difficult in the AFC West, but uh, yeah, the the Raiders and Chiefs are in a really difficult spot in 2022. Are we potentially looking at an AFC West champion that only wins 10 games despite these four teams all being considered playoff contenders and at least two, maybe three of them being Super Bowl contenders? Yeah, I I, I do think that is a very strong uh, possibility. Uh, you know, Chiefs have basically been at a 10-and-a-half game win total. Everyone else is basically at 9-and-a-half. So I do think 10 games, uh, you know, that's kind of the race right now. The first one of 10 games I do think could easily win the AFC West. Uh, we'll see if they can get in two playoff teams, but I do think it's going to be almost a little bit of a cannibalization in the AFC West to the point where we maybe only see one team, given the fact that all of them uh, could potentially be at least average, if not a little bit above average. Ben, did you see anything when you, the schedules finally came out that you changed your mind either on totals or odds to make the playoffs? I mean, did, were there teams that stood out to you? There were there were a few teams, and I think there were some teams that I was maybe more on the fence about. Uh, and I was looking for spots that I thought, given their given their schedule and how it sets up, is there would there be a spot to buy into that team uh, maybe in the midpoint of the season more so than doing it right now? And I do think a team that makes a lot of sense is the Indianapolis Colts, uh, kind of the favorite to win the AFC South right now, have moved in that direction since signing Matt Ryan. Uh, and Tennessee has basically only taken a step back this offseason. Uh, so I was kind of looking at buying into them, but I think, when you look at their schedule, they start off basically weeks three through five. They have the Kansas City Chiefs, the Titans, and then Denver. That's their most difficult stretch. So I do think, you know, going into week six, week seven, uh, they're a team that I'm going to be looking to get a better price on the AFC South on uh, to win at that time. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking. It's not uh, the fact that I think there's a ton of teams that you can fade uh, dramatically based on their schedule. I do think there is some, you know, rest considerations that maybe tie into it, but uh, we didn't know at least the teams that they were going to be playing. It was just the order that was kind of uncertain. So uh, it does impact maybe more so my approach uh, to how I'm betting teams uh, than the actual teams that I would be betting. So between the Colts and you mentioned the Raiders too, given their last or their end of the season, anybody else with given the order of the games that you say, oh, the price is going to be better halfway through the season? Yeah, there's a few teams. I do think that uh, if you're looking at a team like the New York Giants, have become you know pretty popular to make the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, they have a really difficult stretch to start the season. Weeks three through six, they have Dallas, the Bears, who you know obviously is the team that they have to beat here. And then they 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 play Green Bay and Baltimore as well during that stretch. So I do think if you like the New York Giants, 
Uh, you think that they maybe are a playoff contender in the NFC, buying into them after that week six game uh, to, to make the playoffs or to even win the NFCs uh, is definitely going to be the spot where you have the best price. So uh, that's another team that I think is maybe intriguing to wait on until uh, the first part of the season starts. And then uh, Tampa Bay as well. I know, you know a lot of people want to consider them as you know the class of the NFC once again with Tom Brady, but they have a really difficult start. Obviously, Dallas, the two-and-a-half-point favorite, in week one on the road. Then they have New Orleans, Green Bay, Kansas City. So I do think if you like Tampa Bay to potentially, uh, you know, win the NFC uh, or, you know, something along those lines where you can bet them after that week four game, uh, I think that one makes a lot of sense uh, to play Tampa Bay that way as well. Runners up in the Super Bowl. What do you, do you think about the Bengals? I think they're, I think they're in a tough spot. Uh, I'm, you know, they've been a pretty popular team that I think a lot of betters are probably fading right now. We have seen that reflected in their price. Uh, and, and I don't really think the schedule makers did them a ton of favors either. And they're a team that uh, I would probably be fading right now. They do have a difficult end-of-season stretch where they play, you know, Kansas City, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay weeks 13 through 15. So uh, they're going to have a difficult start to the season. They're also going to have a difficult end of the season. I do think that uh, we're probably going to see the Bengals take a step back here in 2022. Uh, maybe they still get into the playoffs, but I don't think uh, at their current price the spot that you really want to buy into. How high would you like to see the odds before you would bet Derek Carr to lead the NFL in passing yards this year? I mean, that is a good question. I think it is kind of uh, an interesting option, right? Because I do think that if you expect, um, you know, if you expect uh, the Raiders to potentially be playing from behind in a lot of games, they are going to have to open up that offense. Uh, maybe they want to rely on the running back position a little bit, given the flag fact that they drafted two uh, in this particular draft, still have Josh Jacobs. I think Kenyon Drake's a pretty obvious cut candidate, but uh, I think they're going to want to and throw the ball right now. Uh, DraftKings has them at plus 1,000, uh, six shortest odds, tied to the six shortest odds to, to, to lead the league in most passing yards. I would probably want to see it uh, just a little bit higher than that. If you could get it at you know plus 1,500, plus 2,000, I think that would be a start where you can definitely buy into him, more so when he's in you know the middle of the pack range for quarterbacks to lead, to lead the NFL in passing yards. That's where I'd want to buy into him at. So at six overall, I think he's probably just a little bit overpriced, but I do think there are a number of scenarios where, you know, Derek Carr could easily lead the NFL in passing yards, given the fact that they might be playing from behind in more games than what a lot of people expect right now. How much do you look or do you not look at all at opening lines in May? I look at them quite a bit, actually. I do I do enjoy the schedule release. I know it was, uh, you know, people are like, what's the big deal? But from a betting perspective, we get so much information on how, uh, you know, bookmakers are evaluating these teams. We can do some calculations on you know, strength based on bookmaker odds and those sorts of things. So, so I love it. I've been looking at it, locked in a few week one bets already later on in the season when books have posted those numbers. Uh, and I think it is really valuable information. I do think it reflects, you know, an idea of like where we, where we evaluated these teams in May and then kind of heading into the season, looking at the line changes, those sorts of things. Uh, I do think can give you a number of uh, options or ideas on how to approach and bet some of these teams. So uh, I value it quite a bit, and I do think it is you know, pretty beneficial from you know, a sports betting perspective to be uh, pretty in tune with what bookmakers are posting right now as far as spreads and totals. Rolling on with that, have you ever like seen a number that you're like, oh, man, I have to bet that, but I don't want to? 
Right. I think that's my every every kind of, every week. I feel like that's uh, kind of my story. But uh, I I don't really want to. But I do think, and I, this is probably going to be really chalky. But week one, Denver, Seattle. Um, I just think there's there's no way that Seattle can keep pace in this game. I don't think that bookmakers are probably evaluating how bad Seattle is going to be here in 2022. <laughs> so we have seen, you know, we have seen Denver move from basically, you know, four point spread up to four and a half. Uh, you know, key numbers basically only sitting behind it. But I do think once we get to week one, that's going to be a six and a half or seven point spread. So uh, I'm betting Denver right now. I do think it's probably going to be a pretty popular play, but it's one that I, and I, and I don't feel great laying that many points for a team on the road that has so much, you know, new, new information, new coach, new quarterback, new everything basically happening right now. But uh, it's a spot where I'm definitely holding my nose and betting Denver, hoping for a little bit of closing line value uh, as we head toward week one. I mean, you're betting against Drew Locke, so I think you yeah, should feel good right. about I mean, it. That's the main, that's the main thing, right? Yeah. That, that should be so. like heroin to a better, just like Drew <laughs> right? Locke. Ooh, that's nice. Right. It doesn't get much easier than that, I would agree. So, yeah, that's, that is the main reason, I think, is the Drew Locke, Geno Smith combination. Just, uh, the expectations have to be quite low for that. So. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Thanks guys. Have a great show. Thank you. There you go. Uh, bet against Drew Locke at any time, at any time of year. Is, you should bet against Drew Locke. Is that the... Uh... We need to get our fantasy expert on at some point and just be like, uh, is, is a good strategy this year for streaming defenses? Who does True Lock play against? And if he gets hurt, who does Geno Smith play against? No, we need to do. We need to have Jeff Erickson on and ask him if he could win a fantasy football league with Drew Lock as his starting. Oh, oh my right. gosh! Oh, we great. need to write that down. That's yeah. a great. That yeah. is actually a really good question. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's sort of the. Uh, I didn't tell you I'm actually left-handed of uh, <laughs> fantasy sports. All right. Coming up next, you're not going to believe this, but college ADs still want to control how much money the athletes get. The Las Vegas Raiders are scheduled to open their season on the road against the L.A. Chargers. The Las Vegas Aviators defeated the Salt Lake Bees 7-6 last night. They play again tonight at 7.05. We don't tamper with anybody, so I don't know of anything or anybody that tampered with him, you know, and I, I don't really know that anybody's ever tampered with our players. I just think sometimes when things happen, it makes you wonder. I'm not making any accusations against anybody that's done anything with our players, and I don't have any knowledge of anybody that's done anything with anybody else's players. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Maybe I shouldn't be. But I am amazed that people in college sports don't comprehend that they don't deserve control over the actual athletes. And we've seen it from the NCAA now trying to go and retroactively crack down on name, image, and likeness payments. But we had a quote from Iowa's athletic director, Gary Barda, uh, on an Iowa podcast, where he said, if we can't totally control name, image, and likeness, then let's go back and put a one year. If you transfer, you can transfer. You don't have to lose your scholarship, but you must sit out a year because we can control that. And that, I think, would slow down the name, image, and likeness deals. Why on earth? 
does the athletic director of Iowa have this entitlement that he should be able to control where kids play football and basketball and how much money somebody pays them to play football or basketball? Because this is the pompous, egotistical attitude that they had for years and years when there was a one-year sit-out and they haven't gotten caught up with times and name, image, and likeness and such things should have been instituted a long time ago, way even before this. But this is the this is the ego of these ads and these administrators. Get off my lawn, uh, guys and gals who always wanted it to be completely under their control. I mean, this like, is this is this doesn't surprise me at all that this clown said something like this. Um, when and it, here's the thing, and you have this down here. It's always football and basketball. Right. The two main sports. It's always football and basketball. You have softball down here. I'll go to baseball, soccer, I don't know, volleyball. They don't care about those kids in terms of transferring to what they do. It's always the two nope. main sports. There have been throughout the, basically the history of college athletics, right, three primary sports that kids are not allowed to transfer and play right away. Men's basketball, women's basketball, and, and football. football. Those three sports did not have free transfers for the longest time. If you transferred, you had to sit out a year. Basically, every other NCAA-sponsored sport, there was free transfer. Yes. You played soccer and you wanted to go play at a different school. You just for went. More playing time for whatever reason. You didn't have to sit out a year. Your pro, like the program you went to the school for closed? So... They don't have an issue with players transferring and not having to sit out. That's never been a concern for them. The concern is that the sports that make them money, Money. yes, those sports, they want to have as much control as possible so they make all the money. And now that there's free transferring where kids can leave and not have to sit out a year. And by the way, they can only do that once still. You can't do it more than once. If you sit, if you transfer a second time, you got to sit out again. But where they can transfer for free and go to a different school without some sort of weird punishment where you can't play for a season. And now that they can make money off their name, image, and likeness, Gary Barda and the rest of these admin- administrators are sitting around saying, whoa, wait a minute. You mean the, these kids can make money that we should be making and they might go to a better school than here and I can't punish them? I can't make them sit out a year to do that? This is ridiculous. It's unbelievable that we're in 2022 and Gary Barta in that quote, see, he, does, he doesn't even realize what's happening because he starts it off by saying, we can't totally control. That's his entire mindset is right. that he should he, he should even, that he should be able to totally right. control name, image, and likeness. It hasn't even crossed his mind that, oh, maybe I shouldn't be in control of where all these nineteen year olds play football and basketball. It hasn't even crossed his mind that that is not how this should work. He still believes he should have full control of wherever these nineteen year old kids in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, want to play football or well, basketball. Well, let me stop you there because let's take, for example, the uh, assistant coaches that left Kevin Kruger's staff. They're all sitting out a year. Oh, wait a minute. They're not. <laughs> Hold on a second. They're not sitting out Hey, a year. but remember, they get they get as many graduate-level classes as they yeah. can take. They don't get paid for this. I mean, Gary Barda was the athletic director of Wyoming. Wyoming. He left and took the AD job at Iowa. Now, maybe we need to give him credit because he hasn't gone a full Chris Beard and left Iowa for 16 other jobs in a, in a two-year span. Like Chris hey, those Beard were did. all his dream jobs. But 
Gary Barta left an athletic director's job at Wyoming to go be the AD at Iowa. And now he wants to tell a kid that's good at football at Wyoming, nope, you can't transfer without sitting yeah, out can't a year come to, to Iowa like sport. I did right. and play football. You're going to have to sit out a year. Gary Barta got paid more money to leave Wyoming and go to Iowa. He yes. does not want a 19-year-old football player to be able to do the same exact thing. Yeah. And he does, and it has not crossed his mind that he should not have that control. It, I, I know you say you're not surprised, and maybe I shouldn't be either, but it blows my mind that these people haven't had any level of realization. I understand still wanting to fight it because it makes your job easier if you can control the work. The more control you have over your labor, the easier your job is. But his quotes, he hasn't even considered it. Like, when Nick Saban talks, Nick Saban is very – he's very clearly considered, eh, this is this is reality now. This is what it's going to be. He Mike might Bray, want to change Notre it. Dame. Right. Mike Bray is like, adjust or shut up. Yeah. But Gary Barta hasn't even considered that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have total authority over where a 19-year-old plays yeah. football. And that's the part – again, yeah, you're going to fight it because it makes your life easier. But that's the part that blows me away, that he hasn't even had that consideration that maybe he doesn't deserve control over a 19-year-old's career for the next four years. Is there any blame to be laid on the person asking a question that wouldn't immediately go? So a player wants to transfer from Wyoming to Iowa because there's better opportunities, you would have a problem with that, and you don't see any hypocrisy there. Is there any? It's, it's a school-produced podcast, Jared. Fight for Iowa. This is That's this the is podcast. the. I don't think yeah. they asked him any tough questions. This is like being mad that like Gary Lawless didn't rake Pete DeBoer over yeah. the coals for something. Like they're the, the person asking the questions is getting their paycheck from the same person they're asking. Millsy the is to. soft on. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, I, I love Darren Millard. He's soft. He, we, he's employed by the Golden Knights. We all know that.